0: I'm making this recording on Erev Shabbos B'Rashis. We're moving into the first quote-unquote normal Shabbos of the year after the Yom Mim Tovim are over, the first Shabbos of creation, Shabbos B'Rashis, the first Parsha of the year. Normally this is a very optimistic, refreshed kind of a Shabbos, a new beginning uh, with all of the optimism that comes from having gone through the beautiful Yomim Tovim of Tishrei, and as we all know, this uh, this past week and last Shabbos, which was also Shemini Yetzirah, just became just a horrible, horrible week, um, and we've traveled to a new dimension that our generation has never visited. Um, so I, I'm here just to share some thoughts with you, because although I'll be speaking about the situation tomorrow in Shul... And all of them in Yanim. But uh, there's so much to say. And more than that, I just want to connect to you and communicate with you because you, uh, the Shul, the members of our community, uh, are my family. And uh, Miriam and I feel very connected to you. And this is just one way of communicating with you. And although it's one way, one direction, uh, we welcome response, phone call, text, email comments, whatever it is, just at a time like this, we all need to be connected. So I'm just sharing some thoughts. They're random. They're not all connected. Uh, Some impressions, some feelings, um, and um, bear with me. I imagine this will be about a 15-minute thing. So first of all, um, our minds and our hearts are with um, all the people in Israel, and our tfilos are davening, all the people in Israel, especially those who are suffering just absolutely impossible to measure pain and loss and grief. And then all those who have the angst, there's still people who are mortally wounded and um, whose lives hang in the balance. <coughs> and then we have uh, people whose children, uh, husbands, fathers, are on the front lines, both in the north, facing Hezbollah and uh, in Gaza, Facing Gaza and we have families in our shul who have children and grandchildren who are called up who are in the in the army and who's uh, Who putting themselves literally putting their lives in their balance to defend uh, the Jewish people? So our davening must go out to them and we, uh, we need to We need to daven for them even more than ever and uh, please know if you're one of those families uh, the whole community is behind you. We're both proud of you and we're both concerned for you. Uh, and may Hashem be uh, with, your, with your children or with your relatives or, or your grandchildren. A couple of thoughts about the situation. First of all, the, the moral clarity that much of the world seems to have just gained this week for the first time and the shock that they have at the kind of brutality and um, absolute um, diminution of the of the of uh, of what a human being is. The, just uh, the, the just the horrible way that they executed um, these Jews, um, as if this is something new. So for us, this is nothing new. We all know in our genes that. Um, this is the, uh, the treatment that Jews have received over 2,000 years in a bitter exile. And we somehow walked around thinking that that bitter exile is over, that somehow we are immune uh, even before redemption from this kind of treatment. And here we see that it's not true. And we're in shock because we've never, we assumed once the state of Israel was there, there would never be anything like this ever again. And it happened right under our noses, nobody understands why. So first of all, why is the world so shocked about their behavior? There is nothing new in their behavior. Their behavior has always been bloodthirsty, horrendous, without mercy, without compassion, without any human sense of, of empathy at all. Uh, they have killed babies before in the most cruel possible ways. I think back to 1974, May of 1974, the Ma'alot Massacre, where a few terrorists from the, the, uh, I forgot what it's called, the Popular Liberation for Palestine group, PFLP, or something like that. They dressed up as Israeli soldiers, crossed from the Lebanese border, knocked on the door of an apartment. A couple answered. They immediately murdered them, and their 14... And their four-year-old son and somehow miraculously didn't kill their 16-month old baby who was there and they went to the native Meir school which was housing um, some other school trip that was staying in that building and there was something like I think 60 or 80 uh, people who were then kept hostage and they threatened to kill them one by one if Israel didn't release hostages and at that time Israel had a policy of non-negotiation about hostages. Nobody was ever going to be paid a ransom or exchanged uh, because it would just encourage more kidnapping and um, and more hostage taking. And finally, Israel stormed the place and in a 30-second operation. From start to finish, it was a 30-second operation. Something went wrong. One of the terrorists took a grenade, lobbed it into the place where all the children were gathered, and 25 people were killed on the spot in 68 I think it was. 68 people were injured. This was back in 1974 the the Maulot Massacre and they were threatening to kill people one by one and these were young kids so uh, there's nothing new here. Uh, The world acts like you know till now they were militants now they're calling them terrorists some of them Um, and the fact is that um, we know that they're not uh, heroes, they're not warriors, these are uh, these are people who are bent on doing anything possible to terrorize the people of Israel and to cause us to relinquish our hold on our relationship with Hashem and our relationship with the Holy Land of Eretz Israel. And they'll do anything at all. And to them, a baby and an adult is the same thing. And the way that they kill these people to them, actually matters. The worse, the most, more degrading it is, the more horrific it is, the better it is. And this is not anything new. So I'm glad the world has woken up. By next Wednesday, I predict that they will have forgotten all this and they'll become, uh, they'll, be, they'll be making moral equivalency between Israel and, uh, and uh, the Gazan-Palestinian victims. And there's no question, many of them are victims. But, uh, um, Meanwhile, the world seems to be morally clear for a couple of days. Um, at the Federation rally, somebody, uh, one of the Israeli representatives, mentioned that they had been in touch with their uh, with their family in Petach Tikva, and I think it was their niece or their nephew, who had uh, who was about eight years old or maybe younger, asked why do they want to kill us, and there was no answer given. And um, I actually felt sorry for that young child because I got the sense that the parents um, didn't really have an answer. And if we don't have an answer, then we're, not going to be, uh, then we're not going to be strong in this battle. They want to kill us because we represent God. It's very simple. And it doesn't matter if we are individually religious or not. As long as a Jew walks around, he or she cannot escape the fact that they represent the idea that there's a God in the world who has a moral code. And that moral code is not subject to how you feel about it. It's the truth. It's There's right and there's wrong. There's life and there's death. There's connection to life and there's severance from life. And the Jewish people stands for that. And the world has tolerated the uh, Arab nations in one way or another over the years, inflicting torture on the Jewish people and forcing war on the Jewish people, because the world itself really is quite annoyed by the existence and the success of the Jewish people after all that they have done to try to eradicate the name of Israel from the face of the earth. We're still here, and we're still vibrant, and we're still strong, and they wouldn't mind if somebody else did the job of removing the conscience of the world. That's why they hate us, because we are the conscience of the world, and the world is awash with the notion that, We humans can do anything we want and do not have to answer to any authority. Yishmael, meanwhile, the descendants of Yishmael have a rivalry with the descendants of Avraham through Yitzchak. They don't want us to get the promise that God gave us the land of Israel. They want to be the recipients of that. They have revised what God said and they will fight to the finish. This is a religious war and it's not about territory. It's about whether or not Am yisrael represents god which leads me to the next thought which is that the only victory that the terrorists could ever have is if they get us to relinquish our connection to weaken our connection to god and to somehow not see that the strength of the jewish people is our faith in hashem and our determination to represent him no matter what in that sense what we've experienced this past week although for our generation is brand new it's nothing new for the Jewish people. We've experienced every kind of torture and massacre that humanity is capable of mounting against the Jewish people over the last 2,000 years. And what has kept us going has not been any uh, new fad. What's been kept us going has always been the fact that we stand for God and we will never ever give in. That's really what it's all about. And so this week, I've just been reminding myself that uh, I don't want the terrorists to win by me focusing on anything other than strengthening myself as a Jew and reaching out to other Jews and strengthening the Jewish nation, physically or spiritually. Um, the, uh, the next thing I wanted to share with you is just an experience I had this week on a Zoom uh, connection with Rabbi Usher Weiss. Rabbi Usher Weiss is an American-born, possek halachic decisor who moved to Israel about 30 years ago. He has become a very prominent authority, consulted by people all over the world, and also by uh, members of the Israeli government, who have all kinds of halachic questions as they serve uh, the state of Israel. And uh, he has risen to great prominence in the, in the world of halakha, written many, many uh, volumes on halakha, and uh, is a very uh, very in touch with all technology and with modern thought and, uh, and what's going on uh, in the world of politics and uh, the military and so on and so forth. He shared with us some of the questions that he's getting this week. And one of the uh, things he told us was that he's getting? As in, every time there's a war situation in Israel, he gets many questions about Shabbos observance. Because of course, um, to save lives, uh, we don't practice or limit ourselves to the restrictions of Hilchas Shabbos, of the laws of Shabbos. Because, because Nefesh says that in order to save a life, so that one can continue to be observant of God's law, one temporarily suspends the prohibitions of Shabbos. But he made the point that although obviously it's his goal always to, and you know, the halacha goal is to rule in favor of saving life, it does not mean that Shabbos goes out the window. Just the opposite. We've got to make sure to be strong about our observance of Shabbos. And so he talked about different questions that people have. For example, somebody who uh, ha- is serving in a critical position in the army, but his wife back home is extremely anxious. Is he allowed to travel back home after his service on Shabbos to go be with his wife? I'm not going to get into all the technicalities of the answers, but the questions themselves give you an idea of what's going on person by person in Israel and how many thousands and thousands of questions are coming up in terms of Shabbos' observance, in terms of Kasha's observance. He mentioned that um, uh, there's so much food coming to soldiers, but they don't know where the food's coming from. Um, can they eat whatever is given them from all of the volunteer voluntarily sent food? Uh, can they rely on the fact that the food is kosher? Maybe it's not kosher. Um, and he talked about how he, in very specific circumstances, he told soldiers that they don't have to worry about the particular heksher, uh, or they can assume even that non-religious Israelis would never offer food that was not kosher, um, and they're allowed to rely on that leniency at a time like this and how people took that to mean that anybody in uniform can eat any food at any time. And <laughs> he, he talked about how he had to clarify that very, very, very quickly. And then a very poignant question that's come up many times, he said, in person and on the phone, people who are on the front lines who know that they're going to be seeing action, and they're very concerned that they might, God forbid, fall in battle, but but nobody would know that they're dead or know about their whereabouts, or they might actually be kidnapped, and nobody would know if they're alive or dead, and they don't want their wives to be agunos. And therefore, based on their uh, knowledge of, of the Gemara, they want to give a get al a get on condition, that if I don't come back, then this get should be retroactively affected from this point. So he pointed out that all of the halachic authorities going back hundreds and hundreds of years, the Rishonim, all say that we don't do that for all kinds of reasons. And he also explained that even if it was done, there would be so many major halachic pitfalls because a person has to appoint an agent to write the get for him. If he appoints it on the phone, who are the witnesses? There have to be witnesses that the person was appointed as an agent to write the get. The uh, uh, so there are all kinds of halachic questions that could come up that would call the the, uh, the uh, legitimacy of the get in question. Um, so he uh, obviously, based on that, is telling people not to do that. Instead, though, and this is what was what really got me, and um, I think many of us on the call shed tears in this response. He said that. Before he finishes with these people who are asking this question, he gave them a bracha, and he said, I give you a bracha you don't, won't need to get, you're going to go, you'll do your job, you'll come back in peace, you'll come back whole, and nothing will happen to you. And he said, after they leave, he turns to God and he says, God, I put your name on the line, because I just gave a bracha that you're going to protect them. You've got to protect them, because if not, your name will be desecrated. And he said that he felt that that you know, gives some power to his blessing, that he's really holding God hostage, to use the term, holding God hostage for his bracha to be fulfilled. But uh, he was weeping during his discussion of many of these halachas. He said the, the, um, the pain out there is just so overwhelming. And yet at the same time, the achdus, the unity that he sees... And the coming together of, of people in Israel is just unbelievably inspiring. So that's a little bit about what's going on. And uh, we are an amazing nation that, uh, even in times of terrible crisis, wants to, seeks guidance from uh, people like Rabbi Usher Weiss in the tens of thousands of people who are asking questions. And as we know, there, are, a matter of fact, we know that there are some uh, students from Atlanta who are in Israel who are, Making tzitzis now. Why are they making tzitzis? Because there are hundreds and thousands of soldiers who don't normally wear tzitzis, who now are asking for tzitzis. They consider that to be their best possible personal armor, uh, and they and therefore there's a demand for tzitzis. So there are an entire yeshiva groups that are doing tzitzis full time. Some of them, some of them uh, involving uh, people from Atlanta. So. We're very proud of our own students, boys and girls, young men and young women who are studying in seminary or yeshiva or university there who are participating in the war effort one way or another through spiritual undertaking, through physical volunteering, through doing whatever they can. And we daven for everybody. Um, I wish everybody a good Shabbos. May Shabbos Bracious indeed be a new beginning. May we be given vision for what Hashem had in mind when He created humanity as we see in this week's parsha, and may we live uh, up to the nobility of a human being who is a reflection of the nature of God. Uh, may the massacres of the past week be the final, final sad note in our long and bitter exile, and may God look down on us with compassion and, may, and love, uh, and may he give us all peace. Good Shabbos. Shabbat shalom.